All right. So let me start with, uh, let's start with Jean. Um, Jean, tell us a little bit about uh, your church, your church background, um, some benchmarks, things like that, briefly. Sure. So uh, I'm fortunate in, the, in that uh, I grew up within the church. I had a, um, I have a second family, so my parents were already well along with raising their family. Uh, uh, their youngest daughter was 11 when I came along uh, as kind of a later surprise. And so my, uh, the, uh, my oldest sister is 16 years my senior, was, uh, was a godly woman and uh, always made sure that I had an opportunity to, to uh, be in a church context. And, and so between her and her husband, um, they mentored me in my early Christian life. And um, when I graduated from high school, uh, did my did an engineering degree at the University of Akron, and afterwards uh, I was back in the days when a college education was actually affordable. Um, I actually finished with a little bit of money in the bank and took that opportunity to to attend Bible College for for a brief period of time, um, where I met my wife April. Um, we came back home to uh, to my home congregation, where for for a long time I had been mentored. Um, by the, uh, the men that were the leaders in that congregation, uh, specifically for the role of, of a leader in the congregation, and, and uh, became an elder in my home church for a number of years. We found our, ourselves uh, fellowshipping with uh, Jackson Christian Church in Canton, uh, which is now River Tree Christian Church, and it was during that time period that, uh, um, that I came in contact with, with a number of folks who planned on doing the plant here in Brunswick, and so we sold a home in, in uh, suburban Barberton and moved to Brunswick to be part of this plant. Okay. Um, tell us, and, and I know that you have pretty much grown up in what we would call our movement or our group of churches, often called the Restoration Movement. Could you give us a very brief synopsis of what the Restoration Movement is? Very brief, kind of a kind of a tough plan for that. Um, we're not denominational in in the sense that there's no hierarchy, no structure beyond what uh, takes place in the local congregation, um, and yet there's a fellowship between a large number of churches. Um, the, the the Christian Church Church of Christ movement is about 25 million people. Uh, across the, the United States and, and spreading out beyond that. I don't know what it is beyond the domestic area, but each congregation is completely autonomous, um, but we share common beliefs with, with other folks out there. And so it's those shared beliefs that, that uh, really tie us together. But still, nonetheless, um, all the resources that, that uh, come into the, to this congregation stay in this congregation. Um, and uh, the leadership is entirely driven from within uh, this congregation. We believe in, in a very simple uh, set of beliefs. Um, the Bible is, is above all foremost the authority, the, the, the single, the single uh, best way to, to understand what God's will is in, in our life. Um, now there's always the the places out there where, where we interpret the Bible. And, and so we believe that, that, uh, that uh, uh, somebody that, that has, not, has a, a desire to study the Scriptures can understand the Scriptures. And so we're sensitive to that as we listen to, 
to uh, folks around us. Um, we believe that when the Bible says something, we need to pay attention to it. If the Bible doesn't talk about a topic, then there's some freedom there, the ability for us to, to uh, uh, expand a little bit. But in all things, we, uh, we believe that, that it's important that we love each other. We are not the only Christians, uh, but we are Christians only. Okay. Marcus, let's switch to you. Tell us briefly uh, some of your benchmarks um, in your walk with God. All right. Uh, well, I grew up... Okay, that's good. Um, Thanks. Gene, I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I grew up uh, pretty much going to church pretty regularly. Um, both my grandpas were pretty big leaders and pastors in, in their... Uh, in their day, um, they were church leaders, and that influenced our family a, a pretty good bit. Um, but when I was seven, my parents divorced, and um, we kind of stopped going to church altogether. I mean, we went every once in a while, and uh, I kind of fell out of a relationship with God. Um, I, had, I hardly had a chance to develop one before they divorced, and then we kind of... Uh, I don't know, I was kind of in limbo of, of a relationship with God for about seven years, seven or eight years. And um, when I was 15 years old, my sister uh, invited me to come to this Pentecostal church. And these people were worshiping and, and going crazy. Um, it was something like something I'd never seen before. But it was amazing because these people were, were like literally throwing themselves into worship and really just... I don't know, you could just tell that they were sincere from their heart, um, just worshiping God. And the realness of that knocked me off my feet. Um, in addition to that, the presence of God was there. Like, I'd never felt before. I mean, I literally could feel the presence of God. And I, I was a very logical person. I didn't, you know, didn't really think that that was possible. But now I do. <laughs> um, and you see that in the Bible, too, that people really felt the presence of God. So I felt that. And pretty much decided from then that I was going to refocus my life and follow God. So that was a huge benchmark. And ever since that day, I've felt a calling, and it's become more and more um, prevalent in my life to create that atmosphere where we can just freely run to God with wherever we are in life in real worship to him. And so I went to school to learn how to do that to learn how to be a worship leader, a uh, worship pastor, whatever you want to call it. And uh, met my wife there, same kind of story. And uh, first week there. So we got, uh, we met at the same place um, at the creek with the rock, or the, at the uh, little pond there. At to the rock. pray. Yeah. <laughs> we were just there to hang out. So we met there. It's, it's a cute little story. We met there. Um, and prayed. We, <laughs> We started to uh, pray. go there. We did pray. That I'll was stop. like one of the biggest things that we did there. It was very spiritual, Alex. I don't know about you and your <laughs> Bible college times. But, um, but it was a really special place. We prayed there uh, regularly. I first said I love her there that, at the rock there where we prayed. Um, I first proposed to her where we prayed, and then we got first. married what? You first I first proposed to her. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I proposed stop. to her. I'm sorry, Marcus. Thank no, you up. so much. That's okay. Um, this is the atmosphere at Polaris that we have every day where we work together. It's just jab, jab, jab. 
which is okay. It's fun. But anyway, I proposed to my wife at that rock, and then we ended up getting married right there at the rock in front of the, the pond there. So it was really meaningful. That was a big benchmark, and I'm going to make Matt cry, but she's been pretty much a, a rock of, you know, I don't know, just somebody that I can lean on and really kind of bounce stuff off of and really helped me through this whole ministry season up into my 28th year of life. So, okay. How many of you How many of you have been in some way affected by a divorce in your life? Parents um I mean, you know, statistics would say about half. Uh so talk a little bit about how that affected your walk with God. And again, we got to keep things fairly brief. Yep. How did that affect your walk with God, your view of yourself, mm-hmm. and how have you wrestled with that in life? Um it's it's pretty much taken me ever since I was seven to kind of come to terms with what happened. I mean, when you're that young, you kind of block things out. Um, so it's actually, it's been hard, and I've, had, I've struggled with self-esteem for a long time, and me and my dad didn't really get along in the early years, and that was probably part of it too. Um, so it really hurt, and it still hurts, um, that broken family that is supposed to be there. And you're growing up and you're supposed to have those two people in your lives together, working together to raise you and, and love you. And they both loved me, um, but that did create some tension and some hardship and some strife. And you know, I'm still kind of reeling over that. So divorce is bad. And um, you know that I'm definitely rekindling some great friendship and relationship with my dad and with my mom. So God is definitely healing that. So divorce isn't the end all. God can heal that too. So, okay. yeah. And that's one of the things that I hope you see as we talk through these next few weeks is that there is, there's a fair amount of pain in the lives of people who lead in the church and follow Jesus and things like that. There's often this tendency to like sort of airbrush the life of a of a leader and, and you get this, you know, smile, constants, all good. But what we will see is a fair amount of pain in the lives of people who give their lives to following Jesus. So while we're talking about that, I know Gene, you have come out of a of a season of kind of wandering um, um, transition. And and I'd love to hear, I'd love for you to talk with us about how that season affected your walk with God? What did God teach you through that? So um, I've got an engineering degree and was a career man for the General Electric Company for, for almost 25 years um, and had a, a new role as, as an inventory manager at, at a, uh, uh, a plant here in Cleveland and missed my numbers uh, during the summer and was summarily let go in uh, um, just a few months after that, and in my lifetime, that was that was the first time at age 50 that uh, that I'd ever been out of work. Uh, new experience for me entirely, and so the contingency plan immediately went into to motion. We began to to look for ways that we could liquidate debt, and. Uh, to be able to to deal with single single income in the family, we um, looked for ways that we could uh, sell the house. And um, as a result of of Alex and Kelly wanting to come back into this community, 
and uh, and April and I looking for a way to to uh, sell our home. Um, Alex and Kelly actually purchased our our home in that in that season, but um, shortly. But in the process of that, um, we were going to have to have some place to live, and and um, Alex and Kelly taught us a great deal about uh, generosity. Uh, during that period of time, they offered us the opportunity to. Um, to continue to uh, to stay there in in the home and and uh, kind of cohabitate with them. So the basement was finished, um, and we moved into the basement. So kind of an unusual situation. Doesn't everybody dream of living with your boss? Uh, I mean, that's actually it worked out very well. In fact, uh, the elders shortly after that had set up a contingency plan and decided that you were going to move into their basement and you were going to move into their basement. Oh, and, huh. and, and we didn't think it would work, though, so we didn't execute on it. For us, um, for April and I, it was a tremendous blessing um, to have folks uh, take care of you in that way. Uh, so an illustration of, of how you, um, you say, hey, we need to be generous. Uh, folks really show it, though. So um, oh, I was off work 10 months. And um, uh, it was during that process that, that uh, April and I knew we couldn't stay in the basement forever. Um, and uh, we chose to, to build a house before, uh, uh, before God had provided that final resolution. I still was, uh, wasn't working. And I'd had opportunities uh, to, to leave the area. None of them panned out. So... You know, we really didn't know what to do, but made the choice to stay here in this community and um, um, began to build a house. And before, before we finished building the house, um, Kelly actually found a job for me uh, at the bank. And, and uh, you don't think that, it, that an engineer's got a place to work in a bank. Well, part of what I do is, is solve process problems. And the banks have those same kind of issues just like every other business does, and, and I love that job. Uh, and it's been a wonderful blessing for me. And the first paycheck from that, if I remember right, yeah. came on the day that your first mortgage payment yeah. from your house was due. Yeah, so, that's how it works. So God did not my timing. Me. I would yeah. never, ever have, have stretched it out that long like that. But um, God provides in just in God's time. So maybe some quick advice I know that there are some of you guys who are waiting for your next place of employment in that kind of season. Quick word of advice would be? Take an opportunity to look at stuff. Because I think you probably got too much stuff. We had way too much stuff. And so we began to sell stuff and sold all the stuff we could, could think of to sell. Now well, maybe we hung on to a little bit of the stuff. Uh, actually, it was while we were while we were living downstairs. I had one wall covered with boxes, and I thought to myself, you know, I sold all the good stuff, and I got boxes of stuff left. What? So it's very liberating to to take an opportunity just to say, hey, I don't I don't need all this. I, I really don't. And God provides. God provides. Okay, Marcus. I know that one of the big deals that that you have Isaiah fifty eight. Um, talks about you know generosity. Talks about loving God and people. Talks about sharing your possession. Talks about liberating uh, those who are oppressed. Also, shimmied in there toward the end of that passage is this idea of of observing Sabbath. 
And I know that that has been something that God has really done in your life is, is sort of convict you that you need to be finding that application for Sabbath in your own life. Talk about some of the specifics of how you have tried to adapt to that. Yeah, trying is a good word because it's hard. I mean, we're all busy, you know, and some of us are busier than others. And But at that same point, uh, I try what I've learned through different books that I've read and just spending time with God in prayer is that it's a daily thing. Like we need to take many Sabbaths throughout the day to be just connected with him. Like the Bible says, pray without ceasing. And I, I take that to mean that we need to be communing with God throughout the day, have that constant connection with him. And the best way that I've found to do that um, is to take three day, or three times throughout the day. Um, just as an example, what I try to do is when I wake up, I take 15 minutes, I read a little bit, I pray, I have some silence, um, and I count that as a little mini Sabbath. And then during lunch, I do the same thing, and then in the evening, I do the same thing with a little bit of journaling. And it really helps me be connected with God and slow down and realize that He values me. And that's just such an encouragement for the day. Um, So that's one thing. And this is my growth edge. The next thing is... The Sabbath originally meant you take a whole day and just dedicate it to God, delight in God. And it's hard to turn off the computer and to turn off the Xbox and and just delight in God, go out and enjoy nature and, and spend time, you know, with God. And it's because we're so fast paced, at least for me. I mean, I I grew up just, you know, you always had something to do, even if it was recreation you had to fill it up with you know football or you know i don't know video games or whatever we just like to do stuff and i think if you know if i can convince myself that god's god can control his world without me for a day and run his world without me for a day and i can just connect with his heart and slow down and and just walk with him for a whole day I think I will be enriched so much. Um, and it's hard to do that, but I'm on that growth edge and trying to get there. So that's what I've learned. And that's, I think, one of the things for all of us to learn is, you know, Marcus is a guy who's decided I want to dedicate my life to helping people commune with God. So obviously you have a passion for that, and yet you're saying it can be hard for you. And I think one of the mistakes yeah. that we make is we write things off uh, by saying, ah, I just didn't get a lot out of that, or it was just hard, or I don't, it's not my thing, it's not my pathway, whatever. But these things are called disciplines for a reason, and it's because it takes work. It's really, really hard. I, I know for me, I like to be moving locations. My mind is always going, and rarely am I going to sit in one place for long. And you guys, you guys see me location hop. You know, one hour I'm in my office, the next hour I'm over in the, the, the children's center, the next hour I'm at Chipotle, the next hour I'm at Starbucks. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I location hop because I just don't like to sit still. But even for the guys that make it their life career to produce connection with God, it can be hard to just sit there and, yeah. and, and do that. Okay, um, Gene, uh, talk about... Uh, I know that you have helped other people grow, mentoring, teaching, things like that. Talk about how 
that has shaped you? Because I believe that sometimes people get stuck um, when they're at the point in their walk with God when they're ready to invest in others. And maybe the only thing they know is intake. But then you kind of have to transition to a give-out role. Yeah, and so this is one of the marvelous paradoxes about the way that, that God has designed us is that, um, and, and, and we've learned this at, at Christmas time. That's the simplest example. We know that, that when we're kids, we look forward to Christmas coming and, and we're all excited about all the presents that we're going to get. And then you get to be an adult and you've got children of your own and you begin to see how that changes and how the real joy comes from giving. And the same disciplines work when it comes to, to, uh, to growing. And while this might not be the only way to grow, this happens to be uh, the way that I grow best. I grow best um, when I'm teaching. And in that same way, so it becomes an outlet for me to grow, and it becomes an outlet for, for the folks that I am teaching to grow. Um, I saw it this week in, in uh, a friend of mine who, whose uh, young son is going into the military, and they were practicing the general orders, and there's apparently 11 general orders that, uh, that you, you learn uh, when you're first inducted into the military, and she was drilling them on what those orders were, and she was teaching them, and by the time, by the time that, that the process had gone on for a week in my presence, I was beginning to get a flavor for what those those general orders are. And so she knew those general orders better than they did because she had taken the time to teach them. And that's one of the ways that I grow, and that's one of the ways that, that, uh, that I share in growth. Um, now, quite often in a teacher's role, you don't always see uh, the fruit of those labors. Um, on occasion, I'm blessed with that. Um, one, one weekend, April and I were having a little bit of dinner in, in Worcester, and um, a young serving girl um, brought us our pizza, and uh, she said, you don't recognize me, do you? And, and she was 22 or so, and no, I mean, I didn't know any 22-year-olds in that area. And um, as, it, as it turned out, uh, she said that... that I had been uh, at a week of summer camp with her and had baptized her when she was 12 or 13. And over those years, she'd still remembered that. And here she was now, um, uh, had gone to college and participated in, in the, um, the Christian programs there on that college campus and was back in her home <coughs> congregation now and leading a youth group. So uh, it's, it's always a blessing when you get to see the fruit of those kind of labors. And you can begin doing that sooner than you think. A lot of times we assess our skill level and knowledge and things like that um, and think that we're, you know, there's no way that we can um, teach people about Jesus. But there's, there's a story, and we're going to talk about this when we cover Matthew, of a man who, who basically woke up one day possessed with multiple demons and in a total pagan area far, far from God, and Jesus showed up and freed him from those demons. And that man actually that day began to share with people what God had done in his life. So you can, sooner than you think, begin to make that investment. Okay, i got one more question for you, Marcus. Um, you talk about 
sort of bring, when you think about worship at Polaris, and by that I'm talking about, you know, the, the, the singing time of worship, you talk about bringing your present life, good, the bad, the ugly, uh, with you into worship. And I know that's part of your dream for what you could see here. So talk more about what that means. Yeah. Um, basically, what I, I don't know, I don't want this to sound like I want this to happen, and you know, but like, I just, I really feel like we all need to participate in worship and create an atmosphere and a safe place where we can release our heart of worship to God, whatever that looks like. Um, because we're all in different stages of life and we all have different things that we're going through, different things that we're grieving, different things that we're celebrating. And when we can all release that worship to God and whatever that looks like, um, whether it's bowing down low or lifting our hands or, or if it's expressing ourselves physically or expressing ourselves emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is, um, I believe that God is honored by that. And we need to work together to bring that atmosphere about because, I mean, I'm supposed to be the catalyst for that because I'm, you know, the worship leader, but we all need to work together to bring that kind of atmosphere atmosphere and that safe place about. And that comes with a mutual understanding that when we're all standing here together worshiping God, um, we're not going to judge someone else on how they're worshiping, um, you know, whether they're screaming out loud or, or singing off key or whatever it is. Um, I want this to be a safe place for us to really ex- accept who we are and to release our worship to God um, freely and without judgment. And, uh, you know, in the Bible, David worship dancing. One time he was dancing and, and worshiping God and his wife judged him for that. And it seemed to kind of condemn or come down on his wife for that. Um, so I think there is this sense that God is honored when we bring our heart to him, no matter what it looks like. And I just want to want us to work together to kind of create that atmosphere, whatever it's going to look like to, to worship God freely. And <coughs> A byproduct of that is God's presence will be here. He'll be glorified. And then we'll be encouraged to go out and bring Isaiah 58 and bring that presence of God out there. You know, God, God's going to be on display here. We want to bring his presence out there as well. So okay, that's an abridged version that so, I tried well, to cram what, in. What I, <laughs> what I want everybody to see is that God is absolutely at work in your lives working and shaping and sometimes it's pretty and sometimes it's ugly and and but it but he's and if i believe anything this morning i believe that god and i mean this i believe that god is at work in your life whether you know it or not god is at work in your life shaping you shaping your heart shaping your character and ultimately more than anything else drawing you closer to him. And one of the best ways that I know of to join him in that work is to talk with people about what God is doing in their life and share with people what God is doing in your life. So if this whole month does nothing else, I, I hope that it will create 
an awareness or a reminder to you that God is actively right now doing things in your life, and unless you are aware of it, I mean, none of us want God to bring the two by four, you know, to create awareness. Let's cultivate uh, an attitude of awareness and seeking where God is at work and joining Him.